Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. We trust today's message will challenge you and move you closer to Christ. Here's pastor, teacher, and author, Phil Moser. The whole book of 1 John is really focusing on that which is true, that which is real, that which is authentic, that which is genuine, comparing that with what is false, fake, not the real deal. And John contrasting all throughout the book of 1 John, here is real Christianity and here is fake Christianity. And interesting, here in verse 20, you just have John just laying that out so clear. We know that we, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. That's what's true. And that really is the summary of what is true from the book of 1 John. And then you really have somewhat of a summary of what is false, also from 1 John, verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Anything that is of the Father and the Son is true, the real deal. Anything that is not of the Father and the Son is an idol and is false. Idolatry. Interesting how, and you can sometimes see this in some of the commentaries that are written on 1 John, but interesting how, like this isn't a typical New Testament ending. You know, if you read Paul's letters, if you read Peter's letters, um, they typically end with some departing words and some goodbyes and things like that. Not John. John ends this thing with a pretty powerful punch. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And some commentators have brought up the fact that it just seems an interesting way to end the letter. But when you look at the whole book of 1 John contextually, isn't that really the way you should end 1 John? In a comparison between what is true and what is false. Idol worship was a major problem in the New Testament. Major problem, not just the New Testament, but also the Old Testament, which is why John's ending here with little children, keep yourselves from idols, because it was such a major significant issue. Major issue back then, and major issue today. Idol worship. What exactly is an idol? I think throughout Scripture, one could argue that an idol is a substitute for the glory that God is supposed to be receiving. I think one could argue that an idol is a substitute for the glory that God is supposed to be receiving. And I think Paul kind of summarizes that definition of idol worship in Romans chapter 1. Maybe this is a good working definition uh, for me of, of an idol, and this is something I'm still working on, but an idol, an attraction towards something or someone doing things for us that were intended for only God to do. An attraction towards something or someone doing things for us that were intended only for God to do. Idols are things that are providing for us a sufficiency or a satisfaction that Christ is supposed to be meeting. And we introduce things into our lives that bring us joy and sufficiency that the New Testament is clear that Christ is supposed to be bringing these things for us himself alone. And yet oftentimes, 
um, because we all love to worship all different types of things, oftentimes we are worshiping things and putting value on worth and things that have nothing to do with Christ. An idol really is a cheap substitute. A cheap substitute. It's like you got the real thing, but you got this cheap substitute over here. And yet, as little idol worshipers, we constantly run towards the cheap imitation substitute, somehow thinking that cheap imitation substitute will somehow sustain us in ways that only the real deal can, who is Christ. Been guilty of that. Been guilty of that. Cheap substitute. Man, check out that. For anyone born on another planet, this is a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Um, some of you eat this all the time, right? Whoa, hey. <laughs> who, who did that? All right. Can't really see, but that's okay. Right. Oh, Joel, Joel Frank, okay. Um, yeah, I know some of you, and I won't call it out, out anyone here, but some of you eat this very regularly. Like, how many of you, this is a regular part of your diet? Be honest, put your hands up. Thank you, Ty, I was waiting for that hand there. Okay, a few others for you too. Okay, so if I were to say to you, okay, now we don't have Chick-fil-A in Canada, all right? We just have like McDonald's sandwiches and stuff, but um, we don't have Chick-fil-A in Canada. So if I came here and said to you, hey, man, I'm looking for a chicken sandwich. What's the real deal at a chicken sandwich? I know some of you in there are gonna say, oh man, Chick-fil-A, right? but you can't go on Sunday, right? <laughs> can't go on Sunday. But man, the Chick-fil-A sandwich, just look at that thing. Isn't that mouthwatering? I mean, you take a bite of that thing, and I've had a bite of a Chick-fil-A sandwich. It's, it's good. It's good. Um, you know, you tender, right? Juicy, special Chick-fil-A sauce on it, right? Mmm. Mmm, you just bite into that thing, and it's so good, right? Isn't it? Huh? It's the, thank you. It's the real deal on chicken sandwiches, right kids? Oh yeah, it is the real deal. But, oh, check this out. Check out this chicken sandwich. See this? It's like smaller than the palm of my hand. This is a chicken sandwich from the dollar store. For real the dollar store. Anna went to the dollar store for me and got this. This, I'm sure this is incredible. I'm sure this is amazing, right? Right? Oh. Wow. Wow. That is... Sodium in a bun, right there, that is. Now, I'm gonna be eating this thing the whole sermon now. <laughs> if I'm like running for a chicken sandwich, I hope I go for the real deal. Not the dollar store. But when it comes to so many areas of our life, 
we run to cheap imitations. That kind of somewhat tastes like the real deal, they don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. Just not the same. Maybe you don't struggle with idolatry, but I do. Idol can be anything in your life. It can be technology. An idol can be friendships. An idol can be relationships. It can be bad sports teams. (laughs) An idol can be good sports teams. some booze and some down thumbs. Might need some security here. You know, these can be things, technology, friends, sports, all that stuff, that can bring us satisfaction, that can bring us a sufficiency. Like, like who was I talking to recently that told me about the studies that are done in Philadelphia after an Eagles win or after an Eagles loss? And for sales... If you're on a sales call, this is your approach after an Eagles win, and this is your approach after an Eagles loss. Hmm? Been, hmm? Been there? In, in different areas of our lives, I think we all could say that there are things that bring us a joy that is just a cheap imitation, that rob us of the fullness of... Oh, wow. A cup of water here. Thank you so much. Everyone gets their 15 minutes, right? And that was, unfortunately, young man, that was yours. (laughs) Idols can rob us of the fullness of Christ. Why is it that we run to these things? Why is it that, like, I'm running to a dollar store chicken sandwich and not the real deal? Why is it that I'm running to they scored the final touchdown instead of Colossians? Why is that? I think there's a few things. One, I think when it comes right down to it, we don't really believe God can satisfy we don't really believe that God can satisfy. Now, if you were to think about one of the, like, the greatest moments of idolatry in Israel's history, like a really bad time of idolatry, you would probably think of the golden calf, right? That was like, not good. Moses has been on the mountain for 40 days. No sign of coming back. He's been on the mountain for 40 days, Moses. Israel's like, where's, where's the guy? Where is he? It's been 40 days. Where is he? Like just over a month. Where is he? He's not coming back. And even though they had just come out of so much in Egypt, in that moment, they believed that their way was best. And so they come up with this brilliant idea. Let's make a golden cow. They make this golden cow. And probably they're saying, boy, if God was going to guide us, he would have done it by now. They didn't believe in the total sufficiency of God. They were expecting God to do this, like Moses coming back. We are expecting God to do this. It didn't happen. 
So we are moving on to plan B of our own accord. Ever been there? We do similar things. We're expecting God to do X. We get Y. The expectation of Y does not meet our expectation of what we think God should be doing. And then suddenly, spiritually, we go rogue and come up with our own plans. When our expectations aren't met, you know what we do? When I was expecting X when it came to God and I got Y instead, I was supposed to get this God, but you gave me this instead. I was supposed to have this thing, but I got this instead. So God, I'm going to run out and get me a cheap idol that'll do for me what you were supposed to do. Bad theology. We all live there. We need to trust the fact that God is who he is and can satisfy our every needs. Oftentimes we have needs that are simply not compatible with maybe God's plan for us. So we have needs that we think we need fulfilling, like I've got physical desires that I need solved. My way or God's way. I need to keep up with my friends, so I've got to gossip and do things my way or God's way. I've got pain in my life that I need dulled. My way or God's way. We've all been there in different circumstances. God can satisfy those needs. God can satisfy every one of those needs. His way, his time. Four areas that we typically try to find satisfaction in. One, roles. Roles. Titles. Positions that make us feel important. Man, been there. That's been an idol in my life. We idolize a job, a ministry assignment, a role in that job. A role puffs us up and makes us feel like we're all that and we need that and we hang our hats on that and we walk into work with a particular title or a particular way of thinking and we, we put all of our eggs in that role and it has become an idol for us instead of Christ. Or relationships, people in friend circles that make us feel like we matter and that as long as I'm plugged into this friend group or this relationship, then I feel sufficient in that and so we idolize a person or a group. Have you been there? Recreation. Filling my day up with stuff. Maybe filling my day up with stuff that doesn't really matter. We idolize and find worth in busyness. As long as I'm busy, as long as I'm doing things, I have value. That's an idol. That's an idol. Gonna step on some toes here. Religion. Tending, listening, but never growing or maturing. We as Christians love to idolize churches, pastors, movements. We find our sufficiency in a person who's communicating God's word. We find our sufficiency in a building that has great programs. All of these things are designed to point us to one person, Christ. And they should. 
There are many instances when we can see the path that God has laid out for us in Scripture, but oftentimes we go elsewhere. Not believing that God can truly satisfy, but maybe you might believe in your head that God can satisfy, but you've never given him an opportunity to prove I can truly satisfy you in ways you never thought imaginable. Psalm 38, 34.8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed is the one who takes refuge in who I am, in all my stuff, in all my idols that I've accumulated, the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. When it comes to roles, relationships, recreation, and religion, where are your idols? Now, roles, recreation, relationships, religion, you probably have an idol in one of those four areas. Which area? Maybe. I think the humble heart recognizes as long as I am in this body, I will struggle with idol worship my whole life. And for you to correctly assess where those idols really are in my life and to come up with an accountability plan for how you're dealing with them is true humility. It's true humility. Why do we run to idols? We don't believe God can satisfy. And we want our flesh to be gratified. When we bond into the notion that Christ can't satisfy, we begin to move down the slippery slope of self-gratification. My needs, my desires, my hopes, my dreams, if I'm going to make these happen, I'm going to have to do it. So, Remember what happened in the story of the golden calf? And we've got some kids in the room, so we're not going to go into all the gory details. But do you remember what happened after the golden calf? Those of you that grew up in Sunday school and know the story. Remember what happened after the golden calf? Quite a bit of partying going on. And the Bible's pretty specific with the type of partying. It was like this downward slippery slope. No Moses, get a golden calf. That's where our hope is going to be. And you know what? While we're at it, let's just do whatever we want. Slippery slope. Slippery slope. When you've got misplaced worship, the slippery slopes are pretty easy. And you can go, go down there pretty fast, pretty rapidly. Instant gratification. Our Western culture is all about instant gratification, isn't it? If you want it, you deserve it. You should get it. Even so-called Christian preachers preaching this false gospel of if you turn to Christ, he gives you all these hookups. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. 
that if you live your life in a God-honoring way, you're just going to have this perfect path presented before you to live in. No. Not at all. That's not New Testament Christianity. Sometimes God wants us to take the long road instead of the shortcuts. Sometimes God wants us to have pain instead of pleasure. Sometimes God wants solitude instead of popularity. Sometimes God wants us to see some failure so we could eventually see some growth. And our fleshly desire is we want what we want instead of the path that God has chosen for us. The scripture is clear when it comes to how we are to think about the lust of the flesh and the things that we want And I was expecting God to do this, and I didn't get it. And so I'm going my own path. The scripture is so clear in how we are to think about the flesh. It says this, Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify or fulfill its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. As a believer, you're either living with Christ on or you're living in the flesh. Now, observe these coats that maybe you haven't seen yet, but here they are, these coats up here. Got this one nice coat right here and this one nice coat right here, all right? Can you see them? Okay. One's nice, one's not. All right. So um, the scripture's clear. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put him on. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put him on. Put on the Lord Jesus. Scripture's clear. Read it on the screen. Put on the Lord Jesus. Now, obviously, it's a metaphor. Obviously, it's a metaphor. But Paul uses these types of put off, put on things all the time. And you can almost picture it like literally putting on how God wants us to live. And it's a coat you don't take off as a believer. It stays on all the time. How do you know we if you truly have this coat on? Can I tell you what the scripture says? To help How do you know when this coat is truly on? Invite you to the coat of the Lord Jesus? Aboutfbc.org. Joy. Or our peace, Facebook page, Fellowship patience, Bible, Kindness, Hill. Goodness, Faithfulness, Gentleness, Self Control. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit, by Christ, is energizing your actions. And you can tell you've got the coat of Christ on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When this coat's on, hard for me to have an idol in my life because I'm fulfilling God's will for my life. But you know what we sometimes do? Put on the coat of the flesh. Pretty nasty, isn't it? Imagine this thing smelling like smoke. It's just like disgusting. 
How often do you have this coat on during the week? I probably have this coat on a lot. Sad to say. Where this coat leads me to idol worship. Where the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 says, put to death that which is earthly in you. Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, he says in Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, that which is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, Colossians 3, 5. Check this out. As a believer... Just talking to the believers in the room right now. You always have one of the two coats on. And I think you argue also from scripture, you can't ever have both on. You can't. Because if that coat's on, this coat will not be on. And if this coat's on, that coat will not be on. The scripture's clear, it's one or the other. And the scripture's also clear, you must choose which coat you put on. And sometimes the coat is shifting back and forth real fast. Where even on a moment's notice, you could have finished your time in the word and, and tried to put things into practice in your life and someone in your family comes and says something to you you don't like and in a moment, you took off the other coat and put this one on. The coat of the flesh. The coat of the flesh always leads to idolatry. Always. The coat of the flesh leads to no good thing. And yet oftentimes, this is where we live. Teens, college students, kids heading back to school, this week, listen closely. When you walk into the hallway of Kingsway or Clearview or wherever it might be this week, you will have one of these two coats on. And which one will it be? Will you put on Christ and walk in the Spirit or put on you and walk in the flesh? The flesh leads to more and more submission to idols. The Spirit leads to more and more submission to Christ. What are the things in your life they bring you more joy than Christ. Think about it. What are the things in your life that bring you more joy than Christ? Is it politics? Is it a relationship? Is it your position? These are your idols. What are the things that you perceive that you need more than Christ? These are your idols. Why do we run to idols? We don't believe God can satisfy. 
We want our flesh to be gratified. We forget with whom we're identified. It's interesting, when you think back to the golden calf, the golden cow. You know, Israel coming out of Egypt, Egypt had all those idols, right? Remember all those idols that Egypt had and worshiping all those things and the plagues were intended to hit at each one of these different idols that Egypt held to. And Israel's coming out of the promised land, not with a bunch of idols, but with one true God, right? That was the nation of Israel. And they were unique. They were different from every other nation on earth because they had one true God and not idols, And so they had this situation where Moses goes up to a thundering mountain to get the commandments. Forty days pass, and whammo, let's get us some idols. And it's almost like Aaron, in that moment, could have said and should have said, wait, we're Israel. We don't do idols. This isn't us. We're special. We're unique. We, ha- we know who the true God is. He's our God who brought us out of slavery and redeemed us. He's our God, the one that we worship. That is not us. They are identified with the one true God. And yet, in that moment of the golden calf, they became just like everyone else. We too are God's chosen special people, are we not? We are. We've been bought with a price. We've been bought with precious blood. Bought into the, brought into the lineage of God, and now we're identified with Christ. Where Peter laid it out this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. First part of that phrase again, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We are to be so different when it comes to everyone around us, and yet we too are guilty of doing what our culture does, clinging to things rather than clinging to the one true God, Jesus Christ. We're identified with Christ. Maybe here on Sunday you identify with Christ, but then you go home and cuddle up to your idols. We have the source of total satisfaction who is Christ, and yet we're seeking satisfaction from things other than Christ. One of the greatest problems we have in the Western church as believers is the problem of wrongful identification. We do it to ourselves and we do it to others. We can put people into camps. We can put people into identities. We use labels with people and it helps us understand things better. Paul reminded the Colossians that believers have a different identity than the world. You know, the early church did what we do as far as identification, putting people into all these little groups 
believing that if you were in a certain class or a certain category, it gave you better status before God. That's what the New Testament church believed. That if I'm of this particular background or this particular status in life, that I have better identity with people and with God. Paul told both the Galatians and the Colossians that we are one in the body of Christ and that Christ is all and in all. Our identity, classifications that we hang our hats on, you do and I do. How you think about people, how you categorize yourself, how you categorize me. We do this. We put people into little groups so that we can better, in a fleshly way, understand them. Paul said, put all that away. It's not based on culture. It's not based on race. It's not based on citizenship. You're no better before God if you're a man or a woman. What geography, what part of the country you you come from? Fellowship family, listen, you cannot hang your identity on classifications. Political parties, you name it. That's what the world does. My sufficiency cannot be tied to a category. As believers, we have one common identity, Christ. Now imagine just that one subtle change incorporated corporately, how we would stand out like a sore thumb in our community. Where a visitor walks into our church, a family walks into our church, and they just feel this isn't about money. This isn't about status. This isn't about where you work or the car you drive. This is about one thing. Christ. Let me ask you. What classifications in your life are contributing to a faulty identity? Replace idolatrous identifications with your true identity, Christ. Students, whether you make the sports team or not, does not change who you are in Christ. Adults, whether you get that promotion or not, does not change your identity in Christ. Thankfully, nothing that we do in and of ourselves can change our identity in Christ because our identity isn't built on anything that we can build. Who's it built on? Christ alone. It's built on Christ alone. Where we are now identified with him. Man, that's how I want to live. Resisting idols, believe God can satisfy. Don't allow the flesh to be gratified. 
Take the time to remember with whom you're identified. Could we just pause just for a moment? Could you bow your heads with me? Could you bow your heads with me? Take a moment. And maybe right now, the Holy Spirit is starting to work on your heart. What is the idol or the idols you have been clinging to? What are they? Things in your life where you are gaining sufficiency that's supposed to be coming from Christ. Is it your past? Is it your positions? some special ability you have? Would you be willing to replace that idol with who Christ is? Father, we recognize that we all need to keep ourselves from idols. We recognize, Lord, that in the flesh we are running to idols fast Lord, we know that. We know, Lord, that as we follow your path, as we put on Christ, as we live energized by the Holy Spirit, we don't have to live that way. We don't have to live with false worship. So, Lord, even this week, would you convict in our hearts and would you move us closer to you, further from idols, closer to Christ, and in all these things, Use these decisions, Lord, to glorify you and bring others closer to the Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you've been encouraged by today's lesson. For resources to help you move forward in Christ, we invite you to check out our website, aboutfbc.org, or our Facebook page, Fellowship Bible Molokato.